Series 3, Architecture plus Infrastructure, engages in conversation with multidisciplinary speakers who have contributed to the growing field of literature on infrastructure in the Gulf. This series explores how investment in infrastructure for the extraction, production, transportation, and distribution of resources shapes Gulf Series relationships to regional and global networks. These conversations also investigate the capacity of infrastructure to be maintained, adapted, or reimagined within the Gulf and at a planetary scale. Hi, my name is Jan Hanna. I'm an architect and program coordinator at Sharjah Architecture Triennial. I am pleased to welcome Dr. Mina Ahavan, who is joining us today for the third series of SAT Talks, Architecture Plus Infrastructure. I'll start with a short introduction. Mina Ahavan is a postdoctoral research fellow and an adjunct professor in urban planning and design at the Department of Architecture and Urban Studies at Politecnico di Milano where she received a PhD in spatial planning and urban development in 2015. Her doctoral thesis focused on port cities, port infrastructures, and their impact on urban development. Her research interests include globalization trends and logistics network, transnational urbanism, sharing economy, and new emerging workplaces. More recently, she has been working on a research project regarding mobility and aging. She has published several articles in peer-reviewed journals and a book entitled Poor Geography and Hinterland Development Dynamics, Springer 2020. She is also a member of the editorial board of the bilingual Italian-English journal Urbanistica. Hi, Mina. Hello. Thank you for joining us from Milan. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for giving me the time. It's a pleasure. Let's start by talking about the context of your work. What are the motivations that led you to study Middle Eastern port cities and their infrastructural developments? My interest on port city studies goes back to 2011 when I started working on my master's thesis on new urban waterfronts of some European post-industrial port cities. But then during my studies on the very extensive literature that we have on port geography and port city studies in general, I discovered that actually these studies are derived from mostly Western world and fast developing countries of the Far East, such as China. So I discovered this geographic gap in port city studies and literature. That was one of the main uh, motivations that led me to go explore to understand what is happening in the Middle Eastern world or Western Asia. And within this region, which is also the region that I'm from, that was also another motivation. This fast developing Arab states, Arab world of the Persian Gulf was very much um, interesting as they are becoming key leaders, key players in the global sphere, not only in the global supply chain, but also key investors and mediators of the global commodity flows. So... For my doctoral studies, I had this chance to tackle the complex issues regarding the interaction between the city and the development of ports in this region, which I chose Dubai as my main case study. This was also because Dubai has actually reached this level of development that we can actually compare it with other international global hub port cities like such as Singapore uh, in the east or uh, the others in the west. So, And the story of this changing position of Dubai ports within the regional maritime networks and eventually becoming a, a main node, a main hub, not just in the region, but worldwide, is very interesting. 
Also because this port city development in the Western world, developing from small fishing village into major um, uh, port cities, has happened over centuries. In Dubai, this transformation happened in uh, just less than 40 years. This makes it also easy to track down different phases of a development for us urban planners and those who are interested in urban studies. Can you elaborate on the multidisciplinary aspect of your research methodology and give us examples about the type of experts you collaborate with? I have to say that, of course, I built a framed theoretical base starting from the literature. But then what I discovered is that the literature was very much biased with monodisciplinary tendencies. So I very much tried to apply multidisciplinary lenses and, and mixed methods, um, trying to mix a qual- some qualitative and quantitative uh, methods derived from urban planning, geography, urban economy, and so- social studies disciplines. To be more specific, my supervisor in my PhD is an economic geographer. So that also opened a new world to me. I had the chance to work with big data, try to work with more sophisticated quantitative methods. I had the chance to go to CNRS Paris in, in, in Paris, which is a very um, important research center. They are all geographers. So they actually used other kind of methods with respect to my background, which is architecture and urban planning. If we look into Middle Eastern ports and more specifically into maritime trade in the Arabian Peninsula, which port cities play a key role in the regional network today? Well, this is an easy question, which is a great part of my study was concerned about this. But when I want to talk about ports, I have to say, first of all, that I have mainly tracked down the container ports. And let's start from a, a, a more worldwide perspective. Coordinated worldwide are competing to expand their capacity to keep pace with the needs of the fast-growing trade requirements, the regional shipping, port developments, and so on. Ports of the Middle Eastern region, especially those favored by the old revenues, this are also pursuing a port development strategy. More specifically, when we talk about the GCC countries, are invested heavily the uh, oil revenues on further developing the port infrastructures and developing trade zones and industrial complex with the aim again to promote trade, creative employment and to diversify the non-oil-based economy. This is really important for these countries. So as the regional trading hub, the Emirates ports, mainly with Jebel Ali One taking the lead, has invested this data is until like 2013, $8.6 billion on expanding their port-related facilities. Thanks to its port and anchored infrastructures, the Emirates accounted for 50% of the GCC imports and 30% of the exports. I want to go a little bit backwards into history again, not recent one, let's say, since the 1980s, because actually Dubai emerged very recently. But before that, we had mainly the Saudi Arabian ports that were playing a key role. We have the Jeddah port, the port of Damman, which previously, uh, I'm talking about the mid-80s, they were handling around 40-50% of the total commodity flows that were entering into the region. But then starting from the mid-90s onward, the regional network started changing. And we see that Dubai ports, at the beginning, we had Port Rashid and Port Jebel working together. Later on, Jebel Ali took the lead. Now, around 40% of the traffic is being controlled by Port Jebel Ali. Now, after Dubai, we have Port Jeddah of uh, Saudi Arabia second. Then we have Salalah, 
in Oman. We have the port of Sharjah or Faham and the new uh, King Abdullah Aziz port, uh, Dammam, and so on. These are the most important ones. You described port cities in the UAE, Oman, and Saudi Arabia as key players in the regional trade. Now, I'd like to ask, what are the characteristics that allow these port cities to be more competitive than others? Again, I want to make reference to the Dubai one. One of the main key words here are the leaders' vision toward this hub-making. It seems that the government-based initiatives coupled with this internationalization strategies can be effective on attracting FDI for retirement investments, for local growth, and for consolidating its position as a regional and global transshipment and logistics hub. If I have to summarize some of the key points, definitely strategic location at the crossroad of the major shipping line and trading use is the key note here and the provision of modern infrastructures. We are talking about not only maritime ports, but then coupled with airports and other uh, ancillary trade-related infrastructures. This diversifying and growing economy, a growing international trade, added value industries, the establishment of free trade zones, growing urbanization, this multinational demographic pattern that we see in the Emirates is also a key point. And then uh, developing a multimodal logistics capabilities. And of course, last but not least, the active role of the government in various public institutions. So the role of institutions here is uh, quite important. I would say very important. The political economy that we see and the strong policies that has been applied in this country, city-state, is essential. Looking at Dubai's context of government-based initiatives and investment on modern infrastructure, as you just explained, I'd like to go back to a term that you often use in your writings to describe Dubai's development, which is the Dubai model. Can you explain further what you mean by this designation? First of all, I have to underline the fact that the the term Dubai model wasn't first used by me. Other researchers from different uh, disciplines, architects, historians have also used this term. I would want to refer to Martin Witt in 2009, his publication on the Dubai model, an outline of key development processes elements. Dubai is something that inspired me. What was missing in many of these publications is this important role of the port as the backbone of the city development. So I try to use this to kind of understand uh, whether the is this model, this pattern of the development. In other regions, like in the Western and the Asian, we have this port city development model. But what was missing here was the Middle East. Again, I try to fill the gap in the literature. Could you describe the four-phase development pattern that you use to represent Dubai's growth from a regional anthropo in the 60s and 70s into a global hub port city from 2000s and onwards? I outlined this uh, model which contains uh, four stages. I want to be more specific about what this means. So it's about this reciprocal relationship between the port and city development throughout time. I tried to trace this development starting from Dubai as a fishing village and the advent of the free ports starting from the 20th century until mid-50s. The interport port city from 60s or 70s, the, the third one is the transshipment hub port city started from 80s to 90s. And the most recent one that we have, the logistics hub port city starting from the mid 2000 until the present. So using this conceptual modeling will help us understand this development, this change of the nature of this relationship between 
between the port and the city throughout time. This is why uh, also economic geographers use these kind of uh, conceptual models, which I try to apply for the case of Dubai. So for me, this model is mainly characterized on the one hand by the massive influx of oil revenues invested on modern transport infrastructures, starting with maritime ports, and on the other hand, uh, through developing the three ports into varied free zones, free trade zones, to allow foreign direct investments. I, I discussed this model of development triggered by trade-based infrastructures, a development model based on a reciprocal relationship. I discussed that historically the port has been a backbone for the social economic development and increasing the level of international trade, starting from the Creek dredging and then the construction of the two main, very massive man-made ports and its developing hinterland which are key elements in diversifying the economy and making a logistics hub city. So to go back to the relationship between the port and its hinterland, I'd like to focus on Jabal Ali area, which is composed of Jabal Ali port and an adjacent free trade zone. Can you describe how the free zone's growth contributed to Jabal Ali's development into a transshipment hub And maybe give us uh, a sense of this growth and explain the notion of extraterritoriality that is intrinsic to free zones. The development story of Jebel Ali area and the Jebel Ali uh, free zone area in general is indeed complex. And then also I should underline the fact that when, when we talk about Jebel Ali, we should not forget that this was built as the second port of uh, Dubai, the massive made one. Before that, we had the Port Rashid built in 1972. But then throughout time, there is a whole lot of interesting story behind this. You can find it in my book. I have gone into detail into this. From the mid-80s, Port Rashid was still one of the main ports of the region, but it gradually lost its container traffic and container activities to the new port at that time, Jabal Ali, which was built by the end of the 1970s, 1979. And then maintained part of its general cargo flows and until 2008 that it was officially closed for cruise shipping operations. When Port Jabal Ali was built, at that time, there was nothing in that area at the, the border of Dubai. And it was complete desert. It was kind of a, a trigger for the development of the whole city. If I want to be more specific as key government-led initiatives that led to this development, I have to divide them into main infrastructures, ancillary infrastructures and trade and logistic-based institutions. I want to underline that we have in this area, first of all, the port. And then we had the two free trade zones, Jebel Ali North and South, which were also built in around the mid-80s. And the main function included port discharge cargo, warehousing and, and, and logistics, trade manufacturing and services for local, regional and international players. Another very important development in that area, which helped trigger Jebel Ali into another level, was a new airport complex, which was previously called the Dubai World Central. Launched in 2006, at the center of this 140 square kilometers multifunctional development, we have Al Maktoum Airport, which was inaugurated in 2004 for freight flows. And now this area, of course, it's called Dubai South. I'm sure uh, you know about this. Again, here we have a massive free zone area, which 
includes business and organizations operating in the, av- in the aviation and logistic in- industries. The master plan, which has now been uh, revised for many times, originally had the working title of Jebelari Airport City. Now it's called the Dubai South and it really works together with the Jebel Ali Free Trade Zone and the Jebel Ali Port. And then we call this a, a multimodal logistics corridor. I have to uh, underline the fact that Jebel Ali was originally born as an industrial district. This is what we know from studying the planning documents. The location and constraints of the industries in close proximity to the two main maritime ports and ensure a reduction in costs and economies of scale. Based on the data on the amount and type of commodity traffic handled at the two ports, type of goods and handled discharge like petroleum, oil, general goods, containers and so on. So this is just to give you a little bit of example of what we are talking about. But we know that that port is specialized in a container traffic, 70% of the traffic. Can you explain what is a multimodal logistics corridor and maybe tell us how it allowed Dubai to become a global maritime node? It's called a Dubai Logistics Corridor, which was inaugurated in 2010 with the vision of linking sea, land and the air, which spreads over an area of approximately 200 square kilometers. It was a vision to host around 10,000 companies with more than 300,000 employees, which is something that was the first of the kind in the world in order to, to create this logistics corridor. The different elements that I pointed out beforehand about the port, free trade zone, and the southern part of the area, which is the Dubai South, together they develop this logistics corridor. This is one of the key elements that allows Dubai to become a regional competitor, becoming a logistics hub, not just at the regional level, but at also the global scale. Going back again uh, to your question about how the Jebel Ali Free Zone was a driving force, was a growth pole for the development of the other city, I have to say that the decision to locate FC at the as a pioneering free zone project of the city was to offer the foreign companies the easy access to major business facilities related to maritime activities, giving them 100% foreign ownership. This was the, the key point. Of course, this was the first attempt to develop the port interland and, and logistics activities. And the chairman of the DP World calls it Jebelali Port plays a pivotal role in enabling international trade. So companies operating in this area can import and export their goods and, and products to the various countries of the region. We know that now we have in Dubai around, well, my data is uh, a little bit old from 2015, that 22 other free zones are active in Dubai. You, you might have heard of the Dubai Technology Park, Silicon City, Industrial Area, and so on, and which they are known to be kind of copying the idea of the Jebel Ali free, free Zone. And together they are making this mosaic of city of cities, what I also call the spreading system of free trade zones in developing the desert. Dubai was one of the first city-states in the GCC countries to establish this trade-oriented free zones as a regulatory enclaves with a tariff-free imports and full foreign ownership of business. 
even through my mapping of this area, you can even perceive it how this mosaic of free zones have helped develop the, the city from the Jebelali area towards the historical part, which is known to be the creek and the Port Rashid area. What is the relationship between Port Rashid and Jabal Ali today? Do they have any kind of complementary role? Well, not really. Why did Dubai decide to develop another port away from the city center? Because Port Rashid was becoming very congested. The amount of traffic coming to the city center was becoming too much to control. So this was the first reason that they decided to push this uh, kind of activity a little bit away from the city center. So no, there is no conflict between these two because they do completely two different maritime-related activities. Now Port Rashid is active only for uh, tourism-based functions. And it's, it's open only to cruise ships and uh, minor trade-related activities. We discussed modern infrastructure and multimodal logistics, but what about the operators or companies that operate these logistics platforms? For instance, we have the Dubai Ports International and Dubai Ports Authority that merged to develop this Dubai Ports World. Jebel Ali is the flagship project of Dubai Ports World, but now it's acting as an international uh, player. I don't know if you want me to go in deep into that point as well. Yes. Can you describe how Dubai Port World became a leading global port operator with a portfolio of 78 operating marine and inland terminals worldwide? What are the other major activities of the company at an international scale? Again, this is another very, very interesting topic that I believe should be further studied because we know a little bit about the impact of this international, very powerful port operator that it's working at the World Wide scale. When did it start from? We know that the formation of the wholly owned subsidiary Dubai Ports International, or DPI, in uh, 99, together with its first a foreign project, which was the Jeddah Islamic port in Saudi Arabia. So it's all start from there. They started to go outside first in the region and then worldwide. So a year later, around uh, 2000, the DPI had to control over ports of Djibouti. And not only the port, but also the airport, as well as managing its maritime bulk and container operations and the logistics zones. When DP, at that time, DPI started from 2005, it was called DP World. I will explain how it came to that. We should know that when they arrive there, they take control of the infrastructure. Either they do only management or they collaborate, let's say, contribute to the investment on the more like engineering development of the port. And this can be based on some agreements. So it can be a 30-year agreement, just to give you an idea. We know that the global footprints expanded by Dubai ports operator went towards India in 2002, Kostanta in Romania in 2003, and then so on. Another important step in global development strategies in 2005, when DPI buys the North Carolina-based CX6 World Terminal, which was a leading global container terminal at that time, 
including Asia and uh, South America. The acquisition uh, makes Dubai among top six world operators of terminal. We are talking about 2005. And at that time, we have the formation of what we know today, Dubai Ports World or DP World, which is an Emirati maritime-based terminal operator, which has the Jebel Ali as its flagship project I mentioned beforehand. It's a wholly owned uh, subsidiary by the government. And as you also mentioned yourself, currently it controls the 78 maritime ports worldwide, the business model that they apply in different ports. Well, it really depends on the political system. You know that the ports are mainly national assets, so they are mainly governed by, they are part of the public sector. But then when a foreign uh, investor arrives, there has to be a very important public-private agreement. DP Ward follows a very competitive strategy, including innovation, capacity, sustainability, and funding. Now, we know that it has marked itself as a leading global terminal operator. Currently, it's among the top five main operators, main key players of the world by controlling the flows and it's like controlling the global supply chain. This is something that I um, call for future uh, studies because we know very little about this. With my students, we have tried to understand, track down using mapping, using JS data to understand uh, what happened when DP Ward arrives. We studied the development elements to understand whether there is a similarity between the Dupai model and the development traces after DP Ward arrives. We are still in, in the process of understanding. So we come up with four main hypotheses. So one of the hypotheses is that it completely imports uh, the main model into the country. Well, I can say that in the case of Djibouti, we have this strong presence of the DP Ward and the Dubai model. So one of the um, hypotheses is the complete transfer of the Dubai model the second one would be the major impact, third one, minor impact, and the fourth one, we have no impact. In the fourth one is mainly in the cases that there is a, already a strong presence, a strong development of the, the, the sector. So it cannot apply its Dubaization or let's say the Dubai model as such. Can you name the top five global operators that GP World is competing with and give us some specific examples about terminals operated by GP World internationally? The first is Costco, Beijing, China. The second one is uh, Hat Chison Port Handling, Hong Kong, again, China. The third one is the APM terminals uh, in the Netherlands. Fourth one is the PSA International Singapore. And the fifth one is DP World Dubai Emirates. Dubai is now one of the developers, for instance, in the, the new London's Gateway. I don't know if you know the project. It's a very, very interesting project around 2010 or 12, if I am not wrong. Since London Port City has been a very important historical port city, the development follows the Western world development. So I would divide them also geographically. Those major port cities that have a long history behind them. Let's say the presence of DP world can be minor or it can be zero. But when we talk about Djibouti, it's actually in the African region. So the presence would be much more stronger. 
We know that the portfolio di- diversification strategies, this geographical expansion of DP Award, as a leading global terminal through acquisition, mergers, and reorganization of assets, gives rise to the question of this particular kind of impact of how these international operators can uh, transform this spatial pattern in terms of infrastructure, institution, and settlement changes. This is uh, three main factors that we are also working on. There is a, a very little study done so far. So I, I, I definitely call for future research more uh, in-depth on this topic. Thank you for sharing some insights about your new study. It was actually thrilling to dive into the field of port city infrastructure but more specifically to understand Dubai's port model at a regional and global scale. First of all, thank you very much for giving me this chance to knowing you and your team and then maybe sharing with you a very little part of the studies that I have been doing in the past seven years. If any students, any researchers are listening to us, I really invite you to, we need more studies in the literature. We really have a lack of studies on the Middle Eastern world in general. When we talk about Middle East, of course, we cannot even generalize. So we need to go and do more in-depth studies into case by case. So case study approaches and more multidisciplinary studies. Thank you for listening. To join for future set talks, visit our website and follow our social media. <laughs>